0: This is The Planted Runner. I'm coach Claire Bartholik. What if nothing got in the way of your running? What if you could run as often and as far as you wished with little to no days off or recovery time for those aches and pains? For most of us, that sounds like a dream, but we have jobs and families and adulting, so more running just isn't in the cards from a lifestyle point of view. And even if we did have the time, at some point, more running means more recovery, downtime, and injury risk. But what if that's not true? What if there was a way that you could recover so easily and completely between runs that you didn't need a day off? I know that sounds too good to be true. But it could also be because right now, you're not training or recovering effectively. Let's learn more. Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and my mission is to help you improve your running, your mindset, and your life with science-backed training and plant-based nutrition. On today's show, we are going to have a conversation about recovery with Run Elite Coach Andrew Snow. He's a performance and mindset coach for distance runners with a degree in exercise physiology and a master's degree in biomechanics. He's completed several races over 100 miles, including the iconic Tahoe 200 Mile Endurance Run, all on a plant-based diet. We'll cover how your training, not your age, has a direct impact on your recovery. We'll learn about some high-tech devices that can speed up injury healing and promote recovery, and how you can maximize your sleep and nutrition for best results. Andrew is also a runner in my hometown, so it was great to meet up and plan this conversation on the run. If you need more help running your best or want to know the basics of plant-based nutrition, you can order my book, The Planted Runner, Running Your Best with Plant-Based Nutrition, wherever you get books, or request a copy from your local library. Or you can enter to win a copy for free just by writing an Apple Podcast review. I choose a new winner every month. And now, here's my conversation with Andrew Snow. Welcome to The Planted Runner, Andrew.
1: I am happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. We uh, have known each other in the Asheville running community for a really long time now, and it's so great to connect and get a chance to talk about our favorite subject, running.
1: (laughs) Running and maybe nutrition that goes along with it, uh, as if they're different. They really do influence each other a lot. So I'm excited to uh, have this conversation with you. Yes.
0: Absolutely. Well, I hope it's the first of many conversations. So I'm going to kind of zone, you know, zoom in on one particular topic, which I think you have a really unique perspective on, and that is recovery. So, you know, most people know that in order to get better at running, You know, we've got to run more, but obviously at some point there is a limit to how much we can run both physically and lifestyle wise. Um, But how can we push that limit and be able to run more in a healthy way?
1: Sure. Um, The question about running more, it's interesting. So I'm going to answer that question the best I can. But I also, before I do, I want to dive into the question itself, which is like, how can we run more in a healthy way? Because oftentimes we think that in order to get better, what we need to do is run more. It's kind of like this. It seems like it makes sense, right? If you're not running at all and you want to get better, well, you have to start running. And if you, those elite runners that we see, they sure do run a lot more than us. So if we just run more, we'll get better. And that's not true. It's not that it's like, Untrue. It's just it's not the full truth. Right. And using that metric in order to like get better is is not optimal training. You can increase your volume quite a bit, but I like to say this. uh, I say this in my book as well, which is like it's ironclad. It's like if volume, if running more were the key to getting better, then ultra runners would be the best marathoners as well, or the best five k runners. They run more. So it's about specificity. But if you want to run more, and it could be more volume, more speed more consistently, all these things, then your recovery in between is going to be the driving force to do this. And, uh, the first time I heard this said in a way that just like really got me was from a fellow plant-based ultra runner. His name is Michael Arnstein. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he's a well-known ultra runner marathoner. He used to make, he has a YouTube channel. It's called the fruitarian, but he doesn't post there anymore. But this guy He's running 31 miles every day, Monday through Friday, 50 miles Saturday and Sunday, uh, and then 100 mile races and beyond, and never injured, never burnt out um, for the most part. And he talks about how he did that. And so he talks about how to increase your volume. There's really two things. The first one is sleep. The second one, so instead of diving into each one, I'll just say what they are. The first one is sleep, the second one is nutrition. Mm -hmm. Everything else is child's play compared with that. It's like, let me have the recovery shake and let me foam roll this thing out. If you're not sleeping, if your nutrition is not dialed in, your recovery is going to stink. These are prerequisites. Absolutely. So we can dive as much as you want into those, but yeah, that's what it takes. Yeah,
0: we are definitely going to get into both of those. But I I first wanted to get into some kind of quirky, maybe quirky is not the right word, some, some sort of unique high-tech recovery methods that you have talked about before. There's a, a video sure. on your YouTube channel uh, about five um, recovery modes that you can try as a runner. And there are three of them that... I don't know if everybody has heard of before. So you know what I'm talking about, right?
1: Yeah. So the devices I was using were because I actually did have a small lower leg injury and it was no big deal, but I wanted to keep it that way because I had a hundred mile race coming up. And those were low level laser therapy, ultrasound, and massage. Uh, I believe those are the three you're talking about. Yep. So we can dive into those as, as much as you want, but these are things that runners don't often use unless they go to the physical therapist. Now if you go to a physical therapist, depending on their uh, philosophies, they're gonna use uh, modalities. And modalities are just interventions we can use in order to help the body achieve something. So for an injury, a lot of modalities that are used are like electrical stimulation, ultrasound, low-level laser therapy, you know, ionto and phonophoresis, uh, dry needling, massage, all these things that we can do to our body. And the one that people are Probably most familiar with is massage. Mm-hmm. It's very effective. And what I would say to people who are listening here is if you want to make the most out of massage to improve recovery, you don't need to get a massage. You don't need someone's hands to touch you. Although that feels good and it's very nice and it is therapeutic for sure. And there's some things you can do with your hands that you can't do with a machine. If you just buy one of these little, I've got one of these like Theraguns right here, you know, Right. if you just get one of these for like a couple hundred bucks, Um, it percusses and it hits your muscle, I don't know, hundreds of times a a minute or thousands of times a minute, more than someone could ever do with their hands. And it improves blood flow. It, uh, it can break up scar tissue, all kinds of good stuff. So highly recommend using this. Um, and then the other two that I was using are low level laser therapy and ultrasound. And I am a, uh, sports medicine practitioner as well by my schooling, by my training, Um, So I won't go super deep into these. Let me give you the cliff notes though. So like an ultrasound is something that will take sound waves. There's like a crystal that vibrates and it sends a sound wave into your tissue that can penetrate deeper than you can get with your hands. So you can get like a massage on a deep level that's at like the cellular level as well. And you can imagine why that would be beneficial. And then low-level laser therapy it's something that's used often on like horses and stuff. And in fact, that's mm. one of the tricks. If you wanted to buy one of these, you can't really buy one unless you're a physical therapist. But you could buy one for a horse.
0: Interesting. It. It's
1: like I'm, I'm not saying do this or not do this. But you know, hinty hint hint. Um, you can get a device or go to your physical therapist and they use low LLLT. It's called low level laser therapy. There's different kinds of lasers you can use, like, you know, to cut through steel and stuff. Let's not put that on our body. These things, (laughs) you know, you put some, put some glasses on and you can concentrate. Basically, you're taking a laser and you're taking all the wavelengths of, of light and you're concentrating them. And it's almost like you're taking the sun and like focusing it on a body part and can't explain
0: exactly
1: how exactly how that works. I'm not it sure any human scary. being can.
0: It sounds scary. You don't feel
1: it whatsoever. It's just okay, like okay. shining a light. It's like taking the sun. It's like going out and sunbathing. But if you took all the wavelengths of the sun and concentrated them on your little injury, and um, you know, it's very beneficial for certain injuries. You'd have to do some research on this. But mm-hmm. those are the three that I talked about. They're hacks that most runners aren't using. The best way to get started is just massage. Right, And if you want to get very high level, if you're running a lot of miles, I mean, we're talking a lot. If you really are maxing out what you're running is and you're sleeping and eating well and you're doing the most you can and you want to take it to the next level, mm-hmm. these are some tools that one can use.
0: Okay. So these aren't just for injuries. These are for preventative uh, purposes as well.
1: As if there's a difference. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so an injury is just like the – the manifest. so two years ago, I was – I was doing this elevation challenge in Asheville here on Strava, something that I probably won't do again. It was dumb <laughs> because I was running like 10,000 feet of climbing per day and all was well for like three weeks. And then I was out on this run and there was just this instantaneous pain that I had uh, in my, in my leg. And it's like, at what point did the injury happen? Did it happen when, I, when it manifested and it hurt? Or was there some micro damage happening week after week after week sure. after week? And then it just manifested. So injury prevention and injury treatment, they're kind of the same thing. Not exactly. From a sports medicine point of view, it's different. Like you'll have more inflammation, acute trauma once the injury manifests. But it's really just damage to the tissue. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's no difference. You can use these things for prevention or treatment.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Um, I you know, when we talk about recovery in general, you know, a lot of people who are listening to this show are getting older. You know, we're in midlife and we are finding that we can't train like we're 20 years old anymore, you know, or or even 30 years old anymore. We've got to do things a little bit differently. And the biggest thing is Take our recovery more seriously. Sometimes change our training. Sometimes you know spread out our workouts, our hard workouts, so that we can recover better. I'd love to hear uh, any advice or tips in that area for you know recovery tips as we age.
1: I think I had to organize my thoughts here. Um, We're going to talk about NAD. We're going to talk about uh, fast twitch muscle development. Let's start there because these are the most important things. So is it true that we get slower when we get older? And if we observe populations, it would seem to be true that 50-year-old runner is slower than a 25-year-old runner. But why is that? Is it because of their chronologic age? Or is it because the older person has two things working against them? Number one is that uh, we, we tend to not engage our fast twitch muscle fibers as much as we get older. I've heard some, I haven't checked this, but I heard this stat somewhere like a couple of weeks ago that after the age of, I think it was like 30, some huge amount of, like 90 something percent of people never sprint again as long as they live. They might wow. run, they might run fast, but they like all out sprint, really go for it, never again. I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it's, at least partially true. It seem, seems like it would be true to me. So we stop engaging these fast twitch fibers. When you're young, you're like playing on the playground, going to gym class, running track and field, like the 400 and the mile and the two mile instead of like marathons and stuff. So we tend to neglect fast twitch muscle development in exchange for thinking that we should do some light cardio. And when we go to the gym, it's like, let's just like keep tone. But do we really go for like a max lift uh, almost ever as adults? And and so what happens is that as you get older, you lose these fast twitch uh, muscle, you lose the the strength, the power of those fast twitch muscles because we simply don't use them. And this manifests, the proof is in the pudding here. This manifests in uh, the statistics on people who fall and break their hip. This is like an old person kind of thing. There's a number of reasons for that, the integrity of their bones, but they only break their hip. Okay. If you fall and hit your bone, and it's a compromised bone, it might break, but it wouldn't matter if you didn't fall. So why do they fall? And they fall because if you stumble, if you're young and you kind of stumble, trip on something, you can like whip your leg out in front of you and catch yourself Mm -hmm. because your fast twitch muscles are able to engage. But if they've been neglected, 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 when you trip, when like a little old lady with a walker like trips, do you really think she's going to like powerfully whip her leg out in front of her and catch yourself on one leg and keep standing. No, she doesn't have the muscle development to do that. So she's going to fall. So keeping your fast twitch muscle fibers engaged throughout your life is massive for your recovery, for your performance and for your health. So you don't fall and, you know, break a hip later in life. Um, And the way that we do that is through how do you engage a fast twitch muscle fiber? You have to do one of two things. You either have to engage it fast, like sprint, or do something that's close to a sprint. I would call a stride. Mm-hmm. So like fast running or an actual sprint or even a sprint uphill because that it forces you to engage even more. So we want to be doing these throughout our life. You don't have to do a ton of it or until you're like sucking wind. You could have it be very short. I mean, a hill sprint you could do for eight seconds. Right. And it's not, it's not hard you stop and you're engaging those fibers so you can go very fast or you can go very heavy if you pick up something that's really heavy if you do a squat with something that's really heavy you're also going to engage those fast twitch fibers Mm -hmm. so going fast or going heavy is something that should be included in i believe every human's health regimen but if you're a runner as well and you want to maintain speed working on raw speed and maintaining that is is a good idea Yeah. So that's the first thing, really. There's really two I'm going to touch on here. The second one is is more of a metabolic kind of thing. And I'm going to try to give cliff notes uh, on this here. Oh, by the way, let me just say, um, with the age thing, you can run really well in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. I mean, really well. You can be ranked at the top of the world. Absolutely. Um, And if you look at the ultra- ultra running stats of like who's top ranked in the world in different categories of ultras. So the the top among the top 10 and sometimes the number one ranked in category in the world is, is a person who's in their fifties number mm-hmm. one in the world, not age group. So, okay. The second one is um, metabolic. So after you reach age 50, there's a, there's a, a molecule in your body that goes off a cliff. And that molecule is called N. A-D. In order to make energy, we can all agree, if you have energy, and we'll call energy ATP, sure. that's like what energy is, okay? You need ATP, you need energy for everything. Replicate your cells, move, breathe, absolutely everything. Without it, you'll be dead in seconds. Your ability to make ATP comes from a couple of inputs that you have. So we eat food, and we're going to use, you know, maybe glucose from that food as an input. And then we're going to breathe and we're going to take oxygen and we combine basically combine oxygen with inputs from food and we put them into the mitochondria and a bunch of stuff happens and out pops atp as the result but there's another input there's there's other inputs besides just the fuel and the oxygen and then the next most critical input is a molecule called nad nad plus it's a charged molecule and it's required in order for this cycle to happen. It's called the Krebs cycle, Mm -hmm. where we convert inputs into energy in the Krebs cycle. And one of the other inputs is this molecule NAD. It is required in order to chemically do this process. Now, without it, you're very much going to struggle to make energy. So if you want to run faster, have energy recover in any time of your life, but especially over age 50, it's a good idea to have to keep up with this energy production. So, you're going to need to increase your NAD. And how do we do this? There's some very interesting research on this that's very new, that's over just the last couple of years. Um, you can supplement with NAD, or you can eat foods that help produce NAD. Um, I think I'll leave it at there for now. If you want to go deeper, you can. Um, but for those who are listening here, I want you to just understand you cannot just eat an AD. It's too big of a molecule. You can't use it. You have to use a precursor to it. Okay. For the sake of this, unless you want to go deeper, I won't go deeper than that. Um, listeners can look that up. I have a chapter on it in my book as well, which explains it. Great. But those are the, those are the reasons. Fast twitch muscle development and metabolic decline are the reasons why we tend to run slower over time. Um, and then like, those are the the, the the things we can zoom in on. The, the more holistic thing is that we don't treat our bodies as well. If you're 50 or 60 years old, you may have decades of accumulating having a poor diet. And so maybe you're carrying a lot extra weight than you did when you were 20. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're not able to recover as well because your body is less healthy than it was in his 20s. And so we run slower, but it's not the age. It's the accumulation of abusing our body, of a natural deterioration of our metabolic systems, which can be mitigated and from neglecting working on fast-twitch fibers. If, If we look at all three of those, there's no reason you can't run lifetime bests when you're 50 years old or beyond.
0: We'll get back to our conversation all about recovery right after this. I'll get back to the episode in just a minute, but first I wanted to take a moment to talk to you about nutrition. You are an athlete and that means most standard nutrition advice isn't meant for you. While most Americans are struggling with trying to eat less and move more, for most runners, it's the opposite. When you're training hard, getting in enough to support your training is the first goal. Getting high quality nutrition at the right time is the second. And that's why I love Nurify by Prevanex. It's the only plant-based protein powder that uses high quality brown rice and organic yellow peas that's smooth enough to dissolve in just water. It's so delicious that even my teenagers are blending it into smoothies for breakfast every day. So yeah, we go through a lot of Neurofi around here. I'm happy they're starting the day off right with a perfectly balanced meal, and they're happy mom lets them make a milkshake for breakfast. Here's the cool thing. My friends at Prevenix are giving the Planted Runner listeners 15% off your first order of Neurofi Plus with the coupon code PR15. So head to www.prevenix.com and use my code PR15 to get started today. That's Prevenix.com and use my code PR15.
1: to win an exclusive merchandise package from evergreen podcasts head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so we can't thank you enough for the support now back to the show women's running stories where we explore the intersection between running and life because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell, and this is where you'll find those stories. I am host and producer
0: Sheree Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by
1: musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel your adventures.
0: This is The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik. Let's get back to my conversation with Andrew Snow. Let's talk about, I did actually have a question from my community about recovering and rest days. You know, a lot of people, especially in the uh, marathon community, and I mean, let's be, let's be real, in all race distances, um, can be kind of type A. They are go-getters. They are high achievers. They are people that set their minds to a goal and they don't stop till they get it. So, and they have a hard time, some of these people. Um, taking a day off. They want to keep training. You know, it's also part of our, our hustle culture these days, you know, hashtag no rest days and all that nonsense. You know, they really actually have a hard time turning off and taking a rest day. Obviously, this is more mental than physical, but I would love to hear your take on this.
1: Yeah, I don't take rest days. I run every day, twice most days. I'm at 150 consecutive days right now. I also go on two walks per day. I also lift weights almost every day. No rest days. Now, why? How? I think that when it comes to doing something that is like uh, not natural, if you're going to really move your muscles, like do a bench press to the max, if you're going to do that every day, it's probably not a good idea. But if you're going to do a functional movement every day, like walk or running is very functional, you're using your biggest muscles of your body that are designed to work all day and propel you for... Dozens or hundreds or many hundreds of miles consecutively. Your body can do this. You can do it every single day. Your body is meant to move every day. So why would we need a rest day? Only if we're going too hard on the Mm -hmm. days when we are running. I think that we're better off to move our body and even to run every single day, provided that, and this is where a a lot of runners, I dare say virtually all runners, kind of mess up a little bit, is not going easy enough. Yes. So why do you need a rest day unless you're over-training and therefore need that rest? Mm-hmm. But if you don't over-train, if you're running maybe slower, maybe more conservative, maybe give yourself more time to build up to whatever goal you have, if you do that and you're recovering along the way, because you're maximizing sleep and nutrition, if you're recovering along the way, you don't need a rest day and you're better off training more.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, so, you know, one thing that... you. We could talk about is chronic overtraining. You know, something that we see a lot again with people who are very driven, and very motivated. They keep going and going because they're, you know, a lot of reasons people run is to find their limits. And often we don't find our limits until we cross it. So, uh, would you like to yeah. uh, address that?
1: Chronic overtraining. Mm. I've been there. I think as distance runners, who hasn't been there? If you've been, a runner for any long period of time you've gotten overtrained and it just means by definition literally it's in the words you're over trained which means you didn't get enough of a ratio of training to recovery it's the ratio mm-hmm. okay and there's really um man I could talk about this forever from different points of view okay um the one that I'm sort of most passionate about that I th- that I think my message may hit that people aren't going to find elsewhere is the mindset behind this. So we can look at your mindset and emotion behind this. We can look at your nutrition and your sleep and we can look at your training itself. All three are very applicable. And I think what most people look to is, let me look at my training. I'm overtraining. How can I change my training? Right. Well, the answer is is pretty simple. It's like, slow down, man. But if I slow down, I'll get slower. No, you won't. If you only slow down and don't change anything else, maybe you will. But you can train more consistently. You can avoid burnout. You can avoid plateau. You can avoid injury, which means more training in the long term. But if you make your training easy, not just through slow running, but also through very fast running that's very short, that's easy running. Sprinting is easy if it's short enough with long enough recoveries. Mm-hmm. Okay, And the sum of those will actually make you fat. And you'll avoid burnout because you're never going hard, mm-hmm. ever. So that's one, is you can change your training. And I'll kind of go in reverse order of importance here. Number two is you can change your lifestyle. Now, I definitely don't believe that if you want to improve your recovery, that you should run less. It's not about it's not about running less or taking a day off. It's about recovering more, sleeping more. If you can sleep, the same guy, Mike Arnstein. I really love this guy because he eats only raw fruit and runs 350 miles per week sometimes.
0: That's a I lot. Mean,
1: <laughs> he's a great example, okay? He said this. And I agree that he said for himself, he said, you know, if I sleep enough, if I sleep 10 hours a day, I can run 50 miles a day. The biggest, and this is a direct quote from him. He says, the biggest obstacle in my training right now is just getting enough sleep. Okay. I've noticed the same with me. And have you, Claire, and maybe the listeners here as well. It's like, if you are well-rested, if you get nine hours of sleep, you're pretty good. You got a lot of energy the next day for the most part. Sure. If you consistently get nine hours of sleep. So what inhibits our sleep? See, it's all tied together. If you're, you know, your diet inhibits your sleep quite a bit where we're putting our focus and what we're doing with our brain throughout the day inhibits our sleep. So number one, training, number two, your lifestyle. And then number three is chronic overtraining. The signals kind of come in. The body's always keeping the score. So, If you get to a place where you've hit like chronic fatigue syndrome or you're like really burned out, like if you have an endocrine system burnout, you had the symptoms for a while, days, weeks, or months. And if we're, if you're very tapped into your body of how you feel, do you need caffeine to like get out the door even? Um, Do you wish you could? Are you waiting to like sleep in on the weekend because you're so flipping tired? If these are signals to yourself, sure. And so, why would someone uh, uh, not listen to those and keep training and get overtrained? And it comes down to mindset and emotion set, and it essentially means that a person is valuing doing the hard training because they think that they need to in order to get the result that they want. And the biggest shift that I can share with you here is like. It's not the time on the clock that anybody wants. It's not getting the training in that they want. It never is. The only reason anybody wants anything is because we think we'll feel a certain way when we have it. So if we want that really fast marathon time, so we think we have to train in order to get the time, it's all nonsense. Because on the other side of that finish line, when you have that time, all it, it, all it is is you give yourself permission to allow yourself, like unlock you give yourself permission to now feel good. I did it. I'm a badass. I can overcome anything. Wow. How And you feel really good. But did the, like, the lights on the digital scoreboard like make you feel good? Or did it just mean something to you that you allowed yourself to give yourself permission to feel good? So let's not make the mistake. Overtraining will only happen if you're not, whatever that goal is, not the time on the clock, but what it will give you. If you can feel that condition yourself, your nervous system to be that kind of person now, earlier in the timeline, then you will not burn out Mm -hmm. because you're full of joy. You're full of happiness. You're full of energy. You already are enough. You already are fulfilled. And so when the training starts to like wear you down or hurt your body, you don't need to do it to get the thing because you already have the thing that you want. And so it's easier to have a little bit of grace in your training and let it go sure can the workout throw it away kick it down the road do it later slow the pace down because the weather's bad whatever take an extra rest day because you're listening to yourself and you need it but if you require to do the workout because oh i'm hard and i get it done because i'm that kind of person if you have that that mindset then you're likely to hurt yourself and burn out in the long term
0: yeah for sure
1: so that's like the three things to avoid overtraining
0: yeah yeah
1: Okay, I'll stop there.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's sleep is sleep is a tricky one. Everybody knows we need more sleep and everybody, you know, especially if you've got big goals, sometimes sleep is easier to get because, you know, you're tired from the training. And other times it's there's a challenge getting sleep especially you know, speaking from experience, women my age, late 40s, early 50s, you know, there's a lot of hormonal things going on. No matter how good we are with our nutrition and lifestyle, you know, there are going to be some sleep issues. There are, you know, lifestyle issues, having little kids, waking you up at night. You know, there are things certainly out of our control when it comes to sleep. Sure. So it's not always. It's not always as easy, but uh, you know, we've gotta try for sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So this is why it it's a very subtle thing that if people who are listening, this is the thing that is I believe is is the truth here, that if we miss it, it kinda doesn't matter. And that is you're not a runner. You're a person (laughs) who runs. Right. But it really okay, this is this is the key because you don't – who says you need to get more sleep? We're saying like if you want to maximize your training and get well asleep, okay, the proof is in the pudding that you could do it no matter the situation. If I think of like um Carrie Goucher or she'll – I think Carrie Goucher, she had two kids, at least one, one. kid, maybe she a couple, one. right? She has she one. She has one, okay. Mm-hmm. And she had that kid while she was a Nike athlete, high-level training, like Olympic level, okay. But she had a kid. How does she do this? I mean where there's a will, there's a way. You can –
0: well, she wasn't being paid until she had results, so there's a lot going on there <laughs> with with okay, her situation
1: where there's a will, there's a way to do anything if it's a high enough priority. so right. not not that she could do this, but this that not that she would or you would do this. but to illustrate the point, you could th- this sounds crazy, right? but to illustrate the point, you could give your kid up for adoption right Now that's crazy <laughs> don't don't do that, but like if your priority were running above your kid. Right. Well, then you would do that or you would hire a full-time nanny or you and if you can't afford that you would sell your house and live in a tent to hire a full-time nanny. Now, these all sound crazy. They sound crazy because for most people the child is much more important than the running. And if that's the case, guess what? If you can't get the amount of sleep you need to run because that time needs to get put into the baby who's screaming, that's okay and you shouldn't try to change it because you mm-hmm. have your priorities correct. And it just means that maybe where you are in your life does not mean you're going to be an Olympic level or whatever or hit some kind of goal. And that's okay because you don't want that. You actually could have it, but it would cost you time with your family, making money at work, time with your spouse, something else that's more important to you. And that's why if we don't look at the runner as a whole, if you just look at it as a runner, it's like get more sleep. Okay, but if you can't because that time goes elsewhere, we shouldn't try to get more sleep and it should just be – and this is why the time on the clock doesn't matter, because if if you want the time in order to feel, let's call it good, you'll feel good by taking care of your kid. Right. So you actually get the goal that you're after with your running by not sleeping and taking care of the kid. So...
0: No, this is great. This is great. Yeah, absolutely. You got to look at your lifestyle and your goals. You know, if you have goals of being, I don't know, an Olympic trials qualifier in the marathon, but for whatever reason, your family situation, your work situation, just simply does not give you enough time to train to get to that top level for you. Then that might not be a possibility for you. So I, I actually really like that. Um, You know, there are people who. Say, you know, I want to run a marathon, but I only have five hours a week to train, that's gonna be really difficult. If you know, so there's yeah, I I think it's great that we need to zoom out and look at not just running, but how running fits into our lifestyle. I think that's great.
1: And then being being honest with oneself too. Mm-hmm. So if you only have five hours to train, do you really only have five hours to train? And looking at the opportunity where you could you you could not do something else that is less important, like social media or complaining right. about something or your commute. You could run to work and back even partway and save that time. So, there normally is a way to fit it in. If there really isn't time, if there really isn't, then first of all, congratulations because you are maximizing every second of your day. I applaud <laughs> you. You're a high value person who probably has millions of dollars and lots of love and lots of success in every way. But if that's not you, there's normally a way that we can there's always a way to find the time. If we Mm -hmm. sort of budget better. And sometimes this requires a very uncomfortable level up. Like what if you left your job in order to get a higher paying job so you could work less for the same money and have more time to run?
0: Sure. Sure.
1: That's what a a really high level person who's like committed to the outcome would do. But it's scary because then you'd have to like leave your job and there's uncertainty there. So we actually value certainty over our training and going for our best life. And that's like the internal thing that, that's very difficult. And that's like, that's the personal development that has to happen in order to get to a much higher level. It's like, yeah. can you let go of the old way, which is secure? Nothing's so secure in order to go for the life you really want. Cause it's scary to make that change, but it's the only way. If you want a new result, you have to be a new version of yourself. Mm-hmm. The version of you who's watching this, listening to this, even me talking right here. This version of me has the results in my life that I have because of who I am. If I want a different result, I can't be me and have a different result. I have to change me, and that is like a growing pain mm-hmm. so you want a better time on the clock. you can make very small tweaks and not really change who you are, and you'll have very small incremental improvements, maybe, maybe good luck, don't get injured, don't burn out, don't plateau don't get older because you know. <laughs> but if you want a big level up, you got to change who you are mm-hmm. and that's. Not as easy. Like if you can't sleep, well, why? I mean, could you? If you really change your lifestyle, could you? Of course we could. Mm
0: Mm-hmm yeah yeah love all that. That's great. that's great so finally we didn't we didn't leave too much time left to talk about uh nutrition, but obviously that is critical to recovering well so uh you kind of have a unique way of talking about nutrition and recovery, and I would love for you to go over what works for you and what you are seeing with your athletes.
1: okay. here's like the nugget of information and improve your recovery with your nutrition, it's a holistic thing because how many people know that they could eat better yet have difficulty doing it? So it's not about even someone telling you how to eat better. It's about even just doing the things that you already know or stopping doing the things that you already know hold you back. Because like we could probably all agree that anything fried, it probably isn't Good for us but how many mm-hmm. of us have eaten anything fried in the, even the last week let alone a couple of days so there is like a deeper a lot of people resist a, an actual change to uh, to their nutrition but here's the main thing if, if I had to say just for the, the the from the perspective of recovery there's a couple of keys eating foods that are in their natural form as close to it as you can period that's it but let's like do an exploration into that. So this would be if you, if you could find it outside in nature, in theory, maybe not if you live in you know Canada or something, but like, you know, ancient man, if you could find it in nature and eat it, it's probably better than most people's than your current diet. Now, this is a spectrum. This could be fruits and vegetables, probably mostly fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. and in their raw form. Ideally, vine-ripened and picked fresh, organic, local, like all of that. Could it be meat? Well, I guess you could go out and find some bugs and eat them, and that would be better than like a hot dog.
0: Right, (laughs) right.
1: But it's also... I mean, would you rather pick a mango and eat it or eat a slug or a cricket or a, <laughs> s- a squirrel and break its neck? It's like, we'd probably rather I'm that. I'm going for so, the mango.
0: I'm going for the mango. There we go. <laughs> See,
1: naturally, we know if you if you didn't have people pre- killing the animals for you and preparing them and shipping them and cooking them and seasoning them and turning it into a burger or a pie, it's like if, if we just went outside, what is appetizing to us? It's going to be f- sweet, brightly colored, high water content, raw fruit. Now do you want to take that mango and boil it? Probably not. You probably just want to eat it. It's what we want. And so eating as close to that as we can is key for recovery because it's key to health. Mm-hmm. And one of the main things that's missing in most people's diets is a high level of enzymes. And enzymes are proteins that that are in fruits and vegetables that basically catalyze the digestive process. And so an enzyme that's in, say, like a, a piece of fruit, a ma- these mangoes we're talking about here, mango, a raw mango has enzymes in it. When you eat the mango, you don't have to digest it. It auto digests in your intestine and you just get to absorb it. And that is key for two reasons. Number one is it saves the cost of digestion. Digestion is a very energetically costly, energetic cost, energetically costful whatever, um, process. Expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Expe- there we go. I like it. um, It's an expensive process. In fact, it's more expensive than anything else that you do, including all of your running, even if you run 100 miles a week. So, if you can reduce that energy expense, and you, what would that energy go towards? Well, you might need, you might require less sleep because you have all that extra energy, and you might be able to repair your tissues better. In fact, you will be able to repair your tissues better because you have all that extra energy to do so. So, if you want to recover. Like recovery isn't just like how many hours on the clock went by without doing something. No, no. It's how much your body repaired. Mm -hmm. So the things that get in the way of that are, let's see, um, there's a whole can of worms, but it's going to come down to your diet. And one of the main things, eat foods that are close to what you would find in nature. Mm -hmm. Eat foods that are high in carbohydrate. And if if you're going to eat something other than a plant, at least make it something that is like a whole version of a food.
0: Mm Yeah, perfect. So Michael Pollan's yeah. advice is uh, still holding true. Eat plants most of the time and not too much.
1: <laughs> there we go. Because if you eat too much, I mean, what is too much I meat? More than your body needs. Now you have to store it or excrete it or digest it, which right. increases the energy cost, increases the energy cost. And that has detriments to so us. Why would you want to expend more energy than you need? So overeating... It's a big one too.
0: Absolutely. Well, Andrew, this is has been great. I think we are coming up on our time here, but I first want to yeah. uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. But before we go, why don't you tell people where they can connect with you?
1: Sure. I have a YouTube channel where every week we're publishing new content. It's called uh, Run Elite. The channel is called Run Elite. The tag for it is at Run Elite Coach. You can find me on Instagram at Run Elite Coach as well. Um it's all free content for you guys. There is a, a webinar, a free webinar that I have you can get by going to um, andrewsnowcoaching.com forward slash webinar. It's a training for runners that's going to share with you three things that elite runners are doing that most runners probably aren't and kind of outline for you how you can do that. So uh, run elite on social and andrewsnowcoaching.com if you want the webinar. You can also get my book on Amazon. It's doing very well right now and all of this information is in there with uh, over 200 Uh, peer-reviewed, evidence-based citations in there that's been fact-checked. You're going to love it. You can get that on Amazon as well.
0: Perfect. We'll have all of that in our show notes in case you're listening to this on the run. Well, Andrew, again, thank you so much for being on The Planted Runner today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: And now it's time for the Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less today's topic is celebrate every birthday it's easy to love birthdays when you're a kid and can't wait to grow up but we all know adults who hate marking the passage of another year they pine over how young they used to be and dread how old they're becoming but age is a gift we are lucky to have made it this far because not everyone does we are wiser and we care less about what anyone thinks and for runners. Sometimes a birthday means you bump up into a new age group and you suddenly become the youngest in the category. A birthday is a time to wipe clean your old personal records and get ready to be your best at any age. Thank you for listening to The Planted Runner, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Don't forget that you can win a copy of my book for leaving an Apple podcast review. So be sure to write yours right after your run today. Reviews are the number one way to boost this show's reach. And it's a great way to tell me what you'd like to hear next, because I read every single one. Have a great run today.
1: Hear Her Sports is a podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve and make a difference in their lives. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, a former professional cyclist. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in the business of sport through a thoughtful conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. My guests and I explore the glorious and frustrating issues in sports, history, equity, training, nutrition, and so much more. Join us for inspiration, for community, and for love of being a strong athletic
0: woman.